Greetings. Welcome to session three on this series of Abounding in the Good Works of God. In the last session, we learned about God's true nature, which is a nature of love. 1 John 4.9 tells us that this love was revealed to us when God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we could live through him. Today, we are going to look at God's desire for you and I to have an intimate relationship with him. Isn't that exciting? We begin by taking a close look at Jesus Christ's last recorded prayer before he would be arrested and crucified. It's in the book of John chapter 17. It's a very intimate prayer. It involved his disciples that Jesus Christ was with at the time, but he's also praying for those beyond those disciples and that prayer includes you and I. Jesus is requesting from God the Father that you and I would have the same unified, intimate fellowship with the Father that he was experiencing and enjoying at the time. That is absolutely remarkable. If it wasn't recorded in Scripture, I doubt if I would be, have any way of believing it. But it is not only achievable, it is what Jesus passionately desired to take place. In John chapter 17 and verse 20, it says, in this prayer, Jesus is saying, I am not asking for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they can all be one, verse 21. Just as you, Father, are in union with me, and I in union with you, that they also can be in union with us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22, And the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, so that they can be one, just as we are one. I in union with them, and you in union with me, so that they can be perfected into one, so that the world can know that you sent me and love them just as you loved me. Now you may have noticed that the word one is used in verse 21, verse 22, and in verse 23. So the three places where that word one is used, along with where it is translated as in union with in verse 21, these are all translations from the Greek word heis, H-E-I-S. And what this word means is one in purpose, unified, in intimate relationship with each other. That this word is used five times in a string of three verses is very highly significant. Also notice that there is a Greek word that is translated into just as in verses 21, 22, and 23. And this Greek word is the Greek word kathos. And kathos means in the same manner or in the same way. This is remarkable. Jesus had a very close, intimate relationship with God his Father. And now Jesus is requesting that we have that same bond with him as his father. In relationships between human beings, 
we understand the expression of love by way of an intimate relationship. We build a unique bond with other people when we choose to express our intimate thoughts and desires with them. In turn, they then open up their heart to us and we develop a connection through that interaction and sharing of things that we probably wouldn't tell other people, but we're telling this special person in our life. Through this relationship, we establish a wonderful bond. You all know what I'm talking about, right? There is great comfort in having an intimate relationship such as this, that Jesus Christ prayed for us to have an intimate relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth and with him is mind-boggling. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3 says, That which we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The word fellowship that is used in these two verses is a translation from the Greek word koinonia, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, and it refers to a close association involving the mutual interests and sharing, a close relationship characterized by involvement and communion with another person. This verse is confirmation for the prayer in John chapter 17. One of the great benefits we received when we got saved by confessing Jesus as our Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead is the ability to have a close, intimate fellowship with God our Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. On account of this, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, we are children of God now, and it has not yet been revealed what we will be. We know that when it is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him just as he is. You and I are children of God. The relationship that I have with my children involves full sharing. I share things with them and they share things with me. It isn't just a one-way street. Neither should our relationship with God be one way. If we are truly children of God, then we can expect to have an intimate relationship with the one who is our Father. Should we not? Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Now, because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you and I are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We are much more than servants of God. We are children. We are sons. A servant simply receives commands and then chooses to obey. He doesn't dispute what the master says. He just listens and he does. But a son has a much different relationship than a servant. 
a son may choose to obey the voice of his father, but he also will probably have interaction back and forth saying, why do you want me to do this? And it's more of an intimate type of response than what a servant would give. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, for it is God who is working in you both to want to do and to do his good pleasure. Do you understand this verse? Do you believe this verse? Right now, at this very moment, God is at work within you. How exciting is that? John chapter 16 and verse 13. But when it, the spirit of truth, comes, it will guide you into all truth, for it will not speak on its own, but whatever it hears, it will speak, and it will declare to you the things that are to come. We receive the spirit of truth when we got saved. Through the spirit God has given us, he promises to guide us into all truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7 says, Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in all this. Our Lord Jesus Christ promises to give us understanding. How many times have you read something, heard something, or seen something and didn't understand what it meant? Through our intimate fellowship with Jesus Christ, we can obtain understanding on matters regarding the scriptures. Now that we have established this truth, let's go to the book of Acts in chapter 9 to see a practical example of it. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And in a vision, the Lord said to him, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Ananias' response indicates that he already had a talking relationship with his Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't appear shocked when his name was called. He simply responded like you and I would respond when our name is called by someone. Verse 11, And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street that is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one named Saul, a man of Tarsus. For look, he is praying. And he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him so that he would receive his sight. Now some people think that God only speaks to church leadership. But Ananias was a simple disciple. Jesus Christ's desire is to have an intimate fellowship with every person in the body of Christ, including you and I. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, and we're going to read through verse 9. If we say that we have fellowship with him, but continue to walk in the darkness, we are lying and are not obeying the truth. But if we continue to walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness. In the last session, we learned that love is a requirement to fellowship with God. In contrast, sin will keep us from fellowshipping with God. I have a little dog, and his name is Ace. And when Ace sees that I'm mad at him, he runs off and goes into hiding. Once I show him that I still love him, then he comes out of hiding and wants to and will cuddle next to me again. God is always ready and always willing to forgive us when we confess our sins to him. All, once we do that, then our fellowship with him is restored. John chapter 14 and verse 26. And the Helper, the Holy Spirit, which the Father will send in my name, it will teach you all things, and it will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Do you see this? He's going to bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, we learn that we have an intimate fellowship with God, our Father, and with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Fellowship is a two-way street, and it involves us sharing our heart with them, and in turn, them talking to us. And God talking to us is definitely a part of the deal. When I am alone and I'm praying to God, I am anticipating a two-way conversation. My ears are open while words are coming out of my mouth and while I'm talking for God to return and give me information back. That is true fellowship. Now there are two ways that God will talk to us. One is inspiration and the other is revelation. So we're going to look at the definition of these two words. Inspiration is calling to our remembrance something that we had already memorized. As an example, God may choose to bring a scripture to the forefront of your mind that you had previously memorized. It would be a scripture that you had previously known. By bringing it to your remembrance, he's telling you that you need to share it or apply it in the situation that you are in. Then the definition of revelation is teaching us something what that we do not already know. Revelation that we receive from God does not need to come by way of dreams, by visions, an audible voice, or by some other miraculous means. Although receiving information from God can come from one of these ways, it is certainly possible that the majority of our conversation from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ will be normal in the same way that you would talk with somebody else. It can be a quiet, simple thought from him to you. So again, there are two basic ways for us to receive direct communication from God. Inspiration, which is calling to remembrance something that you already know, and revelation, which is giving you information that you did not have previously. So, how do we recognize the voice of God? How do we know when he is putting a thought in our mind and it isn't just a thought that we already had on our own? Proverbs chapters 3 and verse 5 and 6. 
Trust in Yahweh with all your heart, and do not lean upon your own understanding. Be mindful of him in all your ways, and he will make your paths straight. There will be times when you recognize a clear voice inside your head, and you don't know what it means. You don't understand why it's there. It may very well be coming from God. If we want to receive guidance from God, we mustn't allow our own understanding to get in the way. God's wisdom is much greater than ours. Sometimes we just need to move our own logic out of the way and allow his voice to have a say in the matter. Because think about it. If the thought is something that we would have thought, we wouldn't have needed God. And so when he puts a thought in our mind, then it should alarm us that, hey, maybe this thought is from God because it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't seem like it should be there and it doesn't seem like something I would normally do. Those are the times that we need to say, wow, that may be God telling me to do something. Now, those thoughts that we're getting, they aren't going to disagree with scripture. For instance, God isn't going to tell you, go steal something from somebody, but he may tell you to go up and talk to a stranger. And you might think, why would I want to talk to that person? I don't know them. Well, maybe God put a thought in there because they need to listen to something you have to say right now. And so you should obey when those thoughts come to your mind. James chapter one, verse five. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God for it, who gives to everyone generously and without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Here is another key. When we want wisdom from God, we should ask him. Be aware of God's constant presence at all times and be ready to listen for him to tell you something wherever you're at, especially when you're in public and there's other people around that God may want you to minister to. Now let's get back to Ananias. Chapter, Acts chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he had done to your holy ones at Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priest to bind all those who call on your name here. I love this. Ananias had a problem with what Jesus Christ had told him to do. So what does Ananias do? He asks for confirmation. Think about that. If you are a parent and you ask your child to do something and your child isn't convinced that they should be doing that, are you going to get upset if your child comes to you and says, dad or mom, why are you asking me to do this? Because I think that if I do this, this could happen. See, your children are going to ask those kind of questions from you. And how are you going to respond? You're not going to get upset with them. You're going to lovingly respond and explain to them why it is you want them to do something. That is relationship of a parent with a child. So it's okay when God directs you to do something for you to ask questions. That's what Ananias did. And Jesus Christ didn't get upset. He simply gave him more information. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, go for this man is a chosen vessel to me. Carry his name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Do you see how the Lord responded to Ananias? 
he is likely to respond in the same way to you. Now we have seen from the scriptures that God desires to have an intimate fellowship with you and with me. Now here are some occasions that provide great opportunities for us to seek his presence. Number one is when we read the scriptures. Number two, when we are alone in prayer. Number three, when something is important to us. And number four, when we are feeling lonely. When we read the scriptures, ask God for an understanding as to what we are reading. Allow him to help explain to you what it is that is being said. Before I read the scriptures, I always humbly pray before God that he would give me understanding about what I'm reading. And not just a technical understanding of it, but the application. That's what's so important. God, teach me from these verses that I'm reading how I can apply them in my life. And then number two, when we're alone in prayer with God, remember, prayer is a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. It's not where you're just talking to him, but it's a time that he can also respond back to you. And then number three, when something is important to us, maybe you are struggling with something in your life right now. And so allow God to work with you in that situation. Allow him to guide you in that situation. Maybe you have a loved one who you know is troubled and you don't know what's wrong with them and they don't want to open up to you. Did you know that God can help reveal to you what it is that you can say to them to minister to them? He certainly can. And then number four, when we are feeling lonely, there are times when it seems like nobody else is around and we feel lonely. But you know what? We are never alone because God is with us all the time. And he wants to give you comfort when you are in those type of situations. So one final word of advice on this subject. We cannot force God to talk to us. What we can and should do is to perk up and be willing to listen to what he has to say. But we can never force him to respond. Whether or not he chooses to respond and when he chooses to respond is always up to him. We cannot squeeze information from God. It's just not possible. So the ball is now in your court. As you humbly seek God's presence with a pure heart, he promises to guide and direct your steps, not just through sources such as a pastor and through the Bible, but he promises to have an intimate fellowship directly between him and you. He is your father and you are his child. Take the plunge and get to know him as your father. In the next session, we are going to get into the absolutely fabulous word of God. This is one session you will not want to miss. Until then, remember that God loves you and so do I.